Ah, welcome to Preach Cap Preach with Rashad. We are the prophets. Here another episode, another sermon, man. Uh, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Man, so everything's good, man. Almost to the end of the week. Big Thursday, heading to Friday. Yeah, we had, um, you know, it, it was kind of a lot of shockers this, this week. We talked about uh, the division playoffs Tuesday. Uh, thanks, Carolina, for, for joining us. That was, I thought that was a really, really good show. She brought a lot of energy. Um... So hey, we right right here back in here twelve ounce sports, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to us. Uh, welcome in to the Prophets. Um, hey, first off, I mean I kind of just want to get into um, Luke Keekley, man. Uh, he decided to you know step away from the game, retire. He's only twenty years old. Um, you know, I, and I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I definitely was not, uh, especially when you saw Patrick Willis do it. You saw Andrew Luck. Step away from the game in the, in the preseason, and Luke Kuechly, you know, this is this is probably the right time. I mean, this guy had what I'm no number but like five or six concussions. I think he missed like ten games due to um, concussion injuries, and we all know, you know, the CTE and how how it affects the brain and stuff like that is, you know, is rather probably easier to get out now and and, and kind of enjoy life and and do other things because you're not just a football player. Yeah, I mean, at his age, which is really was considered amongst the sports prime. It's it's weird to say, oh, this guy's retiring, but at the same time, when you look at guys being more aware, more cognizant of their health, their well-being going forward, and they want to enjoy their family and their kids, they know the risk of continuing to play and you're going to continue to get more concussions, stuff like that. People are... Like you said, Patrick Willis, then we got Andrew Luck, now Keekly. Like, we've had guys start to retire at early. Even Marshawn Lynch did it. He only had did nine years with Seattle before he retired, and also when he came back with Oakland. So, like you said, man, take care of your chicken, take care right. of your bread. For real, though. <laughs> when, you take, when you take care of your money and save, you know, save your money and stuff like that, your health becomes more important. So, I'm not surprised to see Luke retire. Um, I think it's well-deserved because – he has had a lot of instances of concussion, so it's only going to get worse the more you're taking 16 games, multiple snaps. Not, I mean, you got to still include what you're doing in training camp and practice, stuff like that. So it's just a lot of wear and tear on his body, and there's no point risking further harm to your body because you never know that one more hit could be your last hit. Yeah, it, you know, since he came into the league, he won defensive rookie of the year's first season, and then the next seven seasons – Five of those, he was first-team All-Pro. Led the league in tackles since he came into the league. Uh, for linebackers, led that in picks. I mean, this guy, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. And, you know, when, when you're involved in, in a lot of hits like he was, you know, it's only you know it's only warranted that you do get a couple of concussions. And the way he played and how he played, is you know, it all came down to that. But, you know, it was, I mean, like I said, I was not shocked when I saw it. Because like ah, it does make sense, especially when you see before with Andrew Luck, and it's like okay, this is another star, superstar going out, uh, leaving early in the NFL. Do you think this will start being the norm? That you think more guys will do this, or you think it's just in this instance with Luck being always injured and Keith Lowe having concussions that they were kind of like outliers? No, like, it's a it's a combo of both. Like Luck has been injured a lot, Gronk has been injured a lot. Luke has been injured a lot, but during his run, I think Marshawn might have had one or two kind of things, but, you know, it, it's still just the wear and tear of when you think about a guy, most of these guys are studs, so most of them probably start playing high school. They play peewee football, middle school football. You got probably two or three years worth of high school football on you. You got another three to four years of college ball under your belt, and then when you start putting in eight, nine pro years, that stuff adds up. I mean, even though football season only, depending upon what level you're at, 12 games, 15 games, 16, 17, 18 games, it's still a lot. It's a lot of wear and tear. And those injuries, 
you know, I don't think guys are having fun going up under that operating table, going on that table multiple times a year, or they're not having fun always having to get evaluated for a concussion, having a memory loss of where I put my keys or my shoes or whatever. Like, I don't think guys are having fun doing that. So when you get a chance to make, like Luke has, you know, net, net profit, 60-something million dollars. When you have that kind of net profit, he's probably paying it out roughly 50 to 60% of that in taxes. And then you kind of think about he probably has some good investments. I know his degree is in the business field. When you account for all that, the guy is sick. He's made a lot of money, and he probably is taking care of it. You can afford to walk away. You don't have to think about, I need to get to my next contract, get a sign and bonus, and then I can retire. You save your money. You can get out as soon as you want to. Um, did you have a chance? I mean, I know we talked about it. Did you get a chance to finish the Aaron Hernandez documentary? Um, because the reason I, I bring that up with with Keekly is now outside of you know his bad decision that he made as far as you know the you know the murder trial and all that stuff like that. I'm, I'm gonna kind of set that to the side. But when they when when they donated his they, his brain and they 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 studied it and all that stuff and saw how advanced, you know, advanced it was for a, at the time. He, he he played 23 years. So, I mean, he, he stopped playing at 23 years old. So, it's not like those, he died at 27. Those four extra years, he wasn't playing football. And for a for his brain to be that way at that age, then you can kind of see, okay, why, you know, what happened to Junior Seau and, you know, why guys like Keekley says, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose my health, my health over all this because – when I saw that and you saw that that it was the normal twenty seven year old brain versus Aaron Hernandez's brain, I'm sitting like, man, that's you know, that's just just that's just crazy and you know, and in terms of, you know, where where it hit in front and head and you saw the hits that they showed, you know, during the documentary about him, you know, hitting the head on the ground repeatedly and you know, he I don't think he had that many concussions, but it's like, you know, he just kept playing playing through it and that you know that can cause a lot, and Keekly he probably played through a lot of things he shouldn't have played through as well, and he probably you know let's let's let's, let's hang it up because it's not worth it. Yeah, well, that's the the nature of the game, how guys are kind of raised, and you know that kind of macho culture of you play hurt, no matter what's going on, you go out there hurt. So you got to think there are times where guys feel you may feel like in that that moment oh, I'm just a little bit shaken up. I'm going to play for the next play. So, yeah, Aaron Hernandez, it was a great documentary, well-produced and things like that. But, again, it's one of those things where the amount of hits he had taken, even though he started football late and didn't even play an entire pro career, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Your brain, your head can only take so much. And not saying CTE was the cause of what he did, but just knowing that his brain was that damaged, it's alarming. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it, it was it was very sad to watch, and and it it will be sad again not to see Keekley on the field next year, just because he always been that best linebacker. So, um, before we move on, do you think he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, or then you just he'll get in because you got to think like guys who had a you know not a lengthy lengthy career but still made it in like a Terrell Davis, um, come to mind instantly to me, or or Gail Sayers where you know whether whether it's, whether it's you know fifteen year career or something like like Ray Lewis had. Versus Keekley's eight, you know, for the eight years, he was one of the best at his position. Uh, he, should, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I know sometimes the the NFL, the, the, the guys that vote for it, they have these little weird tendencies to play favorites and all that kind of stuff. But just based on Luke's resume, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You play eight years and you make seven Pro Bowls, you are, you know, I think seven-time All-Pro, five of them were on the first team. You were a defensive rookie. Your second year, the defensive player of the year. And just during his era of, you know, him and Bobby Wagner, they they were 1A, 1B as the two best linebackers in their era for the most part since they came into the league. I mean, you got Lou has a 1,000 tackles. And, like, you, I think you mentioned earlier, that's the most in his, in his time span from the time he came into the league until – he retired. That's the most tackles in the league, the most picks in the league, and he had seventy-five tackles for loss, which was about fourth or fifth in the league during his time span. 
Uh, as far as like on the team accomplishment side, they won three NFC South titles. They made the Super Bowl in 2015. They had that great season, you know. So just looking at everything that's involved in his career on the personal side and the team side, he should definitely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, switching gears to the college championship game, man. You talking about a a showstopper? Now you know. We really didn't talk about it last show because you know we we really wanted to get a we really wanted to let it set in a little bit, LSU and Clemson. Now, it's really a lot of stories that you can you can take from this game. Um, I kind of want to ask you. So we know how the LSU you know how they got the lead twenty one zero in the second quarter to to get the well not in the second quarter, you know to end the half. Um, you know Joe Burrow that third down, third and ten draw and you know it was very it was very risky to me with no timeouts but hey. They was able to get it, um, but to me, it's kind of it's kind of like this. We we know LSU. L, this was LSU's really only chance to to go down as one of the greatest teams of all time, because not only did they you know won by a lot against Clemson, they they beat Bama by a good margin. They um, beat what Florida was it by uh, was it Florida? Yeah, by fourteen plus. Um, you know, and, and every every team they faced in Oklahoma that thrashing of them. It's like every time they faced, you know, they they put on the show and they they played all you know great teams, and you know now that now that the game is over, you've seen all the stars uh, declare for the draft. Patrick uh, Queen, you had uh, Jefferson and Joe Burrow, of course, and um, who else? Uh, I want to say the, the running back. I, I think I think he I think Clyde I think he um, declared as well. But you get but Del, and I know Del Pitt did as well. So you got a lot of guys declaring. And on top of that, Joe Brady left and went to the Carolina Panthers. So it's like this this, this run, it's kind of like the one of those, like, you really can't make a 30 for 30 because it's only one season for them. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because they, you know, they could be, in my opinion, one of the best, you know, when you're talking about who's the best college team, you know, in football. You got, you know, the Miami Hurricanes in 2000s and, um, you know, Tim Tebow, Florida Gators and all them. Like, you know, you know the list goes on. And I think I think I think LSU two thousand nineteen definitely should be on that list. Yeah, when history finally sets in, LSU will have put together one of the top five, top ten seasons ever, just based upon you know the awards accumulated. This is only the second fifteen and zero season in history. Clemson has the first. Um, just their dominance of throughout the season, they broke so many records and. They beat so many, you know, I, I don't value the polls a lot, but of course, when you look at the rankings, they beat all these top 10 ranked teams. And they they had so many good, played so many good teams and were dominate, you know, dominating against Oklahoma and some other teams. So in dominating fashion, you would beat some of the top teams. So that is definitely worthy of top five, top 10 consideration when you look at that. Uh, Bobby Bowden's first undefeated season with Florida State was a good year. You got, um, I think the old one Hurricanes was the best team I've ever seen. Um, you know, it's just so many. I know the old school people mentioned uh, one of those 70s Nebraska teams, and you just have, like, just for a dominant season, you have the, the 2010 Auburn year, the 2005 uh, Vince Young year. So you have some dominant seasons in different different areas and but with with the season being so different now because it used to only be like a 12 13 game season now we we're in the college playoff era so to beat the teams that they beat over the course of the regular season you conquer the SEC championship and you conquer the playoff or yes the more good teams they they put together one hell of a season um so it, it may at some point be a 30 for 30 be just because you know New Orleans, Louisiana, Baton Rouge, that area, they've been deprived of a championship since the Saints won. And just since LSU did it in such a dominant fashion, it, it may garner a 30 for 30 dock at some point. And the Joe Brady thing leaving, I mean, that's just part of having your leverage, man. You just put together, you were, you basically turned Joe Burrow into the top pick in the draft. Your <laughs> stock, your stock, your leverage would never be higher. You may, you basically like this guy to the star. You're basically going to get two of the three best receivers on the team, probably first round drafted. Uh, Hilaire could wind up being a second round pick 
you know, of the running backs, how they're falling. You know, you never know how they could fall. So you had to go to Carolina and get back in the NFL. Granted, that's going to always be there. But the leverage you have right now to command the money you want, it wouldn't be there forever. So it was smart of him to, to get out as well. Yeah, I think coming into the season, first of all, first of all, Joe Burrow, before he decided to go to LSU last year, he he almost uh, decided to go to the Cincinnati Bearcats. And I, when I saw that, I thought I was like, that's kind of funny because now he's going back to the Bengals. So, you know, that was pretty funny. But, yeah, so I'm glad Joe, Joe Burrow got this win, um, you know, 58 touchdowns, and he talked about how Brady had to capitalize and, and leave. Yeah, you're definitely right. Like, this this is one of those things where you can't you can't just run, run it back because there is no – Joe Burrow behind him. There's, there's, there's no – so now you're losing Jefferson and Herrera. Uh, what's the running back name? I can't, I can't say his name wrong. Oh, Clyde, it was Hilaire. Like, I mean, Hilaire, yeah, yeah, Hilaire. So Hilaire yeah, leaving. The, 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 yeah, the offensive talent they had this year, it's hard to duplicate that again along with putting up those numbers. Like, it, oh, it's yeah. just been it, – it's almost been impossible to replicate the success from this year. Yeah, and yeah. so – and you know, for Ed Orgeron, like, I mean, he – Hey, he put his name on the map, and you know that, that's all he had to do. Now, now let's see if let's see if other quarterbacks want to come here. Like, if he can recruit, because that really always been LSU's problem. Like, and the same thing for Alabama. Like, we they got Tua. The problem was they have everything else except the quarterback that take you over the hump. And and I would even throw I would even throw Michigan's uh, John Harbaugh in a situation where you can you have a lot of good talent everywhere else, but you know you don't sometimes you don't get blessed to have that that quarterback that you know that can do it all and. That's what that's what Clemson has been, you know, fortunate with for the last two guys they had, um, with John Watson and now, and now Trevor Lawrence, who will be back next season. And it's, it's kind of like, okay, they've been blessed with two great quarterbacks. Let you know, let's see. And same thing for Oklahoma, like Lincoln Riley, because even even that team, who I don't think that team was that good. And I think they just had the hurt Jalen Hurts, and you had Ceedee Lamb. You just had playmakers, and you know that can make up for a lot. And, and, and Clemson, of course, got everything as well. But let's say if they don't get a quarterback. To that level, you know how dominant can they be? You know, Alabama was winning games with with Sims one time, and uh, I mean the list goes on about quarterbacks Alabama had that we don't know where they at now. And it's kind of like you said, there's no Joe Burrow walking through that door. Um, and now Joe Brady is like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and bounce ahead because um, teams like LSU don't don't have that quarterback. I mean, he had Mettenberger, and I think he had OBJ and Landry and. Oh, they have Fournette and Geis, and what did they do with all that talent? Nothing. And I think that Joe Burrow having him and having Joe Brady, you know, that just ever, um, you know, ever um, elevated your whole team, and and that puts you on the map right there. So maybe maybe this championship does spark a plug for Clemson, uh, not Clemson, for LSU to get to get good quarterbacks to come into that system. I don't think it'll spark that. They've always had good talent there. Like, they've never had a problem recruiting talent. Oh, yeah, defense. Yeah, but defense and receivers, running backs, that's never been a problem. It's been that, that the, the best position on the field. Well, the most important position on the field, should I say, it, it's been their problem. And, I mean, I, I still think that was by design, too, because the guys they had, you know, when they were having some – I mean, it depends how you gauge success. When they were right, right, winning, right. The champion, winning the championship, they, they won two of the championships with less miles, you know, they didn't have the most – Glamorous QB then either it was just perfect timing or whatever the case may be. I thought they had a good teams then too, and even when they lost that championship to Alabama, that first ever you know SEC All Championship, even that, I mean, I wouldn't want to say that was on a quarterback. It was just a matter of you're in a rematch against a team from your conference who knows you pretty good. So they've always had top of the line success, even without the over the top QB. So I don't think. This will spark like a whole different way because what you're going to recruit is what you recruit is based upon what your how your team is going to be built and kind of what you're going to attract at the same time. Because even though Bama hasn't had the most glamorous quarterbacks, they still put up great seasons like McCarron and McElroy and Blake Sims, Jalen Hurts, like all these guys. And then up until like the Tua era, all these guys were still putting up crazy stats with Julio Jones and Jerry Judy and. You know, Amari Cooper, like all these guys were still putting up great stats and still getting receivers high drafted. So, like the quarterback, the elite of the elite quarterbacks, they normally don't go to the SEC because they be, mean, they be you scared. Know, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you normally go somewhere where you can shine. Like I won't say I won't say 
wrestled was you know took the easy way out, but he was at Wisconsin and NC State. You know those aren't Wisconsin's a good program, but at the same time, it's like you kind of go where you feel comfortable at. Like Shiloh Rivers being, you know, he went to NC State. Like sometimes you just have to go where you're comfortable at. So I can't say the SEC is going to start just getting this multitude of great quarterbacks now. I think it's just going to be a process of depending upon who your old coordinators are or your head coach or what your team philosophy is. That's going to depend upon what kind of quarterback you get. Well, yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that they're going to start getting, you know, Watson and you go to Lawrence. Like, no, that, that, that doesn't really happen like that. But, and not the SEC, but I'm talking about the two programs in particular, and Alabama and LSU. Like, I've been saying that for a while. Like, why wouldn't you be a – you know, like, you know, if, you, if you're coming out as one of the best quarterbacks, why wouldn't you go to the SEC school? I mean, you're going to have the best athletes for, for the most for, for the most part. You're going to have, you know, good, de- you know, solid, good defense, and you're going to have a good old offensive line. And most times you have, you know, one like the best coaches, especially if you choose Alabama and LSU, you know, you know when they had Les Miles and Saban and now, you know, um, Oregon there now. So, I mean, like, I'm not saying you got to have the elites of the least, but – when you when you got that elite, what happened with when you had two and how how good how good that offense was unstoppable and um, same thing with LSU and how 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 it was hard to stop them as well and Clemson's a great defense and they you know they couldn't really do anything so it's kind of like it's kind of like like when you had when you you can you can still win 10 to 11 games and you can be you know top 10 and you know go make the playoffs with you know with a with a with the Blake Sims or a um, you know, Mettenberg or something like that, but you had that burrow and that two, that takes you to another step, and you know it's, it guarantees you a playoff spot more than just you know we have to pull out some wins and, to get there. You know what I mean? I'm not what you're saying with the SEC. It's just even with a good QB, you're still gonna have to run that gauntlet. So like even right, that's why teams like let my Blake Sims can still make a championship run just because of. If you have more talent around you, the QB really won't even matter because you still got to run the gauntlet and we got to still beat our entire division of Ole Miss. We can't slip up anywhere against Ole Miss, against Auburn, against LSU, against Texas A&M. And then we still have to beat a few teams from the, the other side, you know, maybe Florida that year, maybe Georgia that year, or we can't slip up against Tennessee. So you still have to be able to run that gauntlet and not have any down weeks. And there were just some years where, even though the – QB play might may have been subpar by the NFL standard. LSU still had nine, ten win season. They just couldn't run that gauntlet of the SEC. Now we know we know Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Um, your expectations of Clemson? Uh, do you think they are, will find themselves right back in this spot again, or or do you think you know losing T Higgins, losing um, Simmons, losing AJ Terrell, uh, you know some a couple of seniors on over there. Uh, and even losing uh, Trevor Etienne, do you think all, all of that um, st- still puts Clemson back there? Because you, you you will have probably the best quarterback. Well, not probably is the best quarterback in college football. He will be the number one draft pick to whoever the worst team next year. And you you'll have a guy like Justin Ross who is a star of his own. So, um, do you find himself back in the situation, or do you think like maybe maybe it just might be too much talent left, like? That left to go to the NFL, you know, last year with the Dexter Lawrence and you know all the other guys on the on the defensive side, and now you're losing some more stars. Do you think they still can find themselves being being the number one, number two, and number three next year? Just looking at the state of the ACC, I don't think a team should just break out next year. I mean, they may have another two or three years before. I mean, they, they probably have another four to five years, honestly, before anybody in the ACC gets a chance to catch up to them. So they should still be able to win 11, 12 games, maybe go undefeated again, possibly make the playoffs. The only teams that really will be able to knock them off their throne, per se, if they were to make the playoffs, would be Ohio State, who's going to return a lot of good guys. Um, of course, I think Bama's going to be right back there again. They are, they're bringing back some guys. And of course, all these schools have top recruit classes as well. So right. Bama, Bama should be right back there as well. I think maybe maybe with good health, Texas could be back there again. You can't count out Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley's pulled too many rabbits out the hat with QB play and the offensive play. So you got to think Oklahoma could be in the mix. You know, you just never really know for sure who's going to be there. But I think all those teams could be hovering around that top 10 for sure. 
Yeah, the only reason I ask that because, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, Clemson, Clemson, you know, most of Clemson players, when they be playing, they be playing for a long time. Like, you know, we be like, man, they still, they still there, and then they only be juniors. Like, you know, just how Justin Ross, like, he's only a, what, a sophomore? <laughs> I feel like he's been there three or four years, you know? And, you know, same thing with T. Higgins and ETN. He, he, he started off as a freshman, and, you know, now he's gone. So it's kind of like, man, it's like, man, these guys been there for a long time, and, you know, they've been the stars in that, in that position. So now we have to learn a new running back. We're going we gonna to have to learn who takes T. Higgins spots because even – uh, Rogers, the other other receiver for Clemson, uh, I think he's number three. Uh, he also he may he may declare. I mean, you know, obviously he's come back. He might have a great big season, but it's like, hey, he, he's already he's already up there, and I, I think he's a junior as well. He's like you're you're up there, you might as well. You probably be a fourth fifth round pick, especially in, in this deep class, and you know, NFL looking for them, looking always looking for receivers. So you can't you really can't go wrong. So it, it, it's it's a lot of like moving parts and a lot of different things. I know I know Dabble has a has the, the talent that he's bringing in. I know the recruiting class is always, you know, top-notch, A1. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's always easy when you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence on your side. With the college system, I care more about are you retaining your staff versus the talent coming in because when you have a staff, you know how to, you know, yeah, get players true. to play, play up to their potential and design different things for everybody to be successful. You have good player development. Like, I think that's why there were certain years where, Bama lost a game or two, or they couldn't replicate their success in on that biggest stage because you didn't have that coaching staff consistency. When you go from the old coordinator to this old coordinator, they don't call the plays how you would have called them last year with the same guy, or they may be less aggressive when you should be more aggressive, or this person may want to run the ball too much, but you need to be passing the ball more. So I think as long as you have the right staff for player development and you have that consistency, I know how – he likes things done. I know how we're going to call the game. Like, you have that familiarity with each other. That kind of helps the new recruiting classes and the talent build up a play development easier as opposed to every year or two you're losing your old coordinator, your assistant head coach, your defensive coordinator, or you're trying to promote guys and then two years they're gone, like you're burning them out. Because it's, just, it's, just, it's a lot of rigor of the recruiting. The, the recruiter schedules change. you got recruiting. you got a transfer portal. That's become so big now. So I just think as long as you have a better staff or at least a consistent staff, you're good when it comes to these recruiting classes or maintaining your spot near the top. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hey, um, switching gears real quick. Did you see the the, the news of, you know, Jeff T going back to Atlanta? Um, I kind of think this was a, um, a uh, the first domino effect, as most people call it, like, I mean, we've been talking about okay, who's going to be the first one to make that trade? Uh, you hear all these rumors and stuff, and nobody, no, nobody's doing the trigger. It's, it's, you know, it's January. It's, it's, it's that time where okay, we know what we are, we know what we aren't. We got three months left of the season. Let's, you know, let's make moves. And you know, this, this is the first one. Uh, I'm kind of excited. I don't know if, if, if this might be the, if you know, if, if I might be disappointed, but. I'm kind of excited. I think I think this is the time when NBA gets exciting, especially when football is is, is dwindling down. Uh, do you believe we have more to come, or you think most of these rumors are just uh, just all talk? It'll depend upon what team. Um, if you're not really a contender, or you're not trying to position yourself for 2021 cap space, I can't really see too many moves being made. Like the GMT trade. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense at the same time because they're the Wolves are trying to they basically surrender their season. They're trying to get in play to acquire an asset to carry them long term. And all they did was for the Hawks when they just gave the Hawks a backup point guard who's reliable. So when Trey goes to the bench, you know, they can't actually afford to go to the bench because he has to play <laughs> almost every minute to even keep the Hawks in the game. So I think the move by the Hawks was just to get them a backup point guard and a move for the Wolves was just to get them, you know, start to put them in play for future acquisitions or the trade away guys to acquire something to build for the long term. So it may be the lead domino in this free agent, you know, the upcoming trade buyout, the 2020 free agent market thing. It may be the lead domino, but at the same time, if you're not a real contender right now, I can't see too many teams making trades or going to the buyout market. Like, I feel like the Clippers need uh, another shot blocker because they only they have Zubach and they have Montrezl Harrell. I feel like they, they need one more 
interior presence. So when you go up against Jokic or AD, you have that one other body to throw at them. So why not go after a Nerlens Noel or someone like that? But at the same time, do they even do they feel like right now we had a team we need and we don't even have the proper chemistry going on right now because you got Paul George with a quad cast frame, whatever he's got going on, and you still got the whole low management thing going on. So you really haven't even gelled with what you have now. So do you even want to go out and make a trade? <laughs> right. I I kind of think this means something. I don't know why, but like, so I feel like they got because I think what they got they got baseball in the trade, not baseball. Um, Alec crap, Alec crap. So what is Alec crap? Uh, just expiring. Uh, he's he's expiring contract. Like his contract come off the booth after this year. Right, but most importantly, I, he's a wing, right? So I'm thinking Williams or Covington got to be out the door because you know it's rumors that they want um it rumors that they want D'Lo, and I think it defeats the purpose if they trade Andrew Wiggins. I think it defeats the purpose because now you still now you still only got two stars. Um, but Robert Covington is very very interesting to me. If I'm the Warriors, because you got somebody who can play a lot, a lot of different positions, and if you can get your hands on him, and you, you know, you have a uh, Draymond Green, that's two guys who are very versatile in things that they can do, and not to mention that they both are, you know, defenders. And when you bring Clay back and you bring Curry back, you know, you might, you might have something. And I think, you know, as far as to make the money match, why, why wouldn't the Warriors take on Covington and take a crab and? And you know, you know, to make the money match as far off a of D'Lo, and that way Minnesota has their three young pieces, and they can just grow together because I mean that, that's really much that's all you really can do. And for the Warriors, you you built your team to yeah okay, Robert Covington may not be Iggy as far as you know in that prime, but Covington is a really good player. Like I think Robert Covington can do a lot of good things, and if you add that to the mix next year. <laughs> um, the Warriors could be back now. I mean, I'm not gonna say back, back, but you know what I mean. Like you, they could be right there in, in, in that championship. We could still get their window, especially with Collin Stein and, and and guys like that. So I think I think it may mean something. I think the Wolves are trying to set them up for something else. And hey, maybe it, it might not work out. But you know, I think Teague and Crab both have expiring contracts, so it it's not like they lost anything. Oh no, they didn't lose anything at all. And then. I think Covington is signed for this year and two more years, and his contract isn't a big contract. It's a, you know, like eleven, twelve. Right. So you no, need somebody no, else. No, no, yeah, no, no more than thirteen million. So it's it's a very cap friendly deal, which will really help the Warriors because you're already paying Clay, uh, Steph, and Draymond. Like going to next year, Steph's gonna be at forty three million, I think, and Clay's gonna be around thirty five, and Draymond's deal should go up until. Because he just signed his new one. So he should kick into that 20, 22, $23 million range. So if you were to bring in, you know, I think D is going to be around 30. Right. So, so yeah. So look, Crab is what? You, eight, you, yeah, 18 and but, he 13. That's, you know, that's close. That, that, that make it up. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to get, uh, D has to go at some point because you don't need that many guards. So Robert Covington, that would be a good piece for them. But I'm not sure what other piece they decide to throw in because I don't think they're gonna throw a crab in. Like if they don't make the trade this year, which would be dumb for both teams, right? It would be dumb if you don't make it. If you if you don't make the trade this year, you can't do it over summer because crab deals gonna be off the books. So right. So I'm yeah. Not, I, so I'm not sure what they may throw in to, to make the finances match unless you say we're gonna give you Robert Covington and Gorgie Dang. Right. So I'm thinking that it, it's that is you know you throw in crab, you throw in Covington. And, you know, I've been hearing rumors about Burks getting traded out. And, you know, I think, what, what's the light-skinned guy from the uh, play for Michigan? Um, Poole, Jordan Poole. And I, I've heard his name as well. And you, if you think about it, if you get – if let's say you move those guys out, you know you know, and I know wings win rings. And, yes, if you don't have a superstar there, you need to have your Ron Artestes and your, your Bruce Bowens. And if if you don't have the wing that's going to give you 30, you need someone who can, who can slow them down. And you know that's what Robert Covington could do, and he's a you know he's I, I don't know I think I think people just don't realize how good he really is, and it's because he's playing in Minnesota, so you put him on the Warriors, be like oh man Robert Covington this and this and that, and you'd be like well he been this the whole time, and you know we just ain't really been paying attention, 
And you bring you bring him to the Warriors. I think I think you're right. Like they had to make this trade now, and I, I think that's why I think that's why they did because if you can put crap because think about it, the money matches up with with Covington, Teague, and whatever to get D'Lo. But what's the point of getting Teague? That's not going to help you. Like that doesn't help the Warriors at all. So, but Crab, who can knock down threes? I mean, come on, think about it. Him in that system. I mean, he, like because Covington Covington can play the can play the four. Crab can play the three. Clay and Curry, like you know, you know how hard it is to to, to guard with everybody besides Draymond can shoot. Like, I mean, obviously it's not a Kevin Durant situation when you have that kind of score. But I mean, come on, Crab Crab got that contract for a reason, and it's because he was one of the best three point shooters in the league. So. I think it's. I think. I think it might be something, and I'm kind of hoping that this this gets traded, gets done, because I wanted D'Lo to to go to Minnesota in the offseason. but you know he was, you know he really had no control, too much control of what he said. So, um, but he, he he might still get there. No, I'm not really watching teams like that. I'm watching teams who are trying to go forward this year because they're. You, I think you feel, you feel like you have your three to four clear cut teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, and. Yeah, I think when you feel like the books are there, even though I'm not a believer in the books, then you may have, well, if it breaks right, Houston, if it breaks right, Philly. But I feel like there's about another 10 teams that are, this could be your year if you go get go get that major piece. Like I feel like Denver having Michael Porter Jr. back, even though it's his really first year and getting out for a lot of minutes, they need to go acquire one more thing and then maybe Denver could emerge a little bit more or maybe if the Celtics make a move for some size they could be that team that comes out of the East. The Pacers their move is just getting on the depot back so they don't have to worry about anything but I feel like some other teams like the Miami Heat, if you can trade Myers Leonard or Kelly Olenek or uh, Johnson, you know, they're, the Heat are like a piece away. If you can make one more move Teams like there's certain teams like that that are, or maybe Toronto if they gonna make a move. Certain teams are just that one piece away that could put them right there over the top or at least right there to feel like they do have a chance to go to the finals. It's about eight to ten teams that one missing piece. I I'm in that position to see those teams do something like that versus you know Warriors planning for next year or just later or the Wolves who are just. Outside of Kevin Garnett, yes, they've been miserable. So, I mean, who really cares if they get D-Lo? They'll probably still be terrible <laughs> because they just been. I don't know. 20, I don't know. A twenty-something win franchise without Kevin Garnett. So I don't know. I think I think I think you gotta you gotta you gotta make play your chess moves because that's how you you know you you set up things. And you know, one I, I need to, I need to shout out. Well, not shout out, but I need to address uh, one more person. I seen a video today about about Bradley Beal being being discouraged after they lost to the Bulls and all that stuff like that. And somebody was like, uh, somebody need to trade for Bradley Beal, blah, blah, blah. Hey, what I said what I said in our NBA preview, man, that no, we are not showing Bradley Beal no sympathy because I said before you signed that contract, do not sign it. I understand you get more money with that team, but at some point your back is, your back is about how much – how much impact you had on the game, not how, not how much your like your wallet is, how much your bank account is worth, and he, you know, I feel I feel no type of way of him of him over there losing in in Washington. You knew that y'all was sorry. You knew John Wall Achilles was was torn. You knew he wasn't coming back no time soon. And I mean, yes, like I said, it's hard to turn down that type of money. Of course, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that. But hey, you had. In, in this in this player where Paul George all of a sudden decides he want to get traded, or um, Kawhi said, "Hey, I'm I'm doing this, I'm doing this." LeBron's doing that. Bradley Bill may not be on their level, but he's not far off, and he's a you know he's a stud. And putting yourself in that situation where okay, you, your team is going to be lottery, and you might have the first pick in the draft just because of how bad y'all are, you cannot get mad about your decision to stay there. Yeah, I understand you want to. Try to build your. I mean, I understand where he came from. You know, he been in DC all those years, and he wants to maybe build his own legacy, build their own culture of winning. But sometimes you got to see the situation for what it is. And the Wizards have been off and on, good and bad. I know they made the playoffs a few years with him, him and Wall, but at the same time, when you know Wall is hurt, and we're not really going anywhere right now as far as trade moves or 
roster moves. Like the roster is not a good roster, so if you want to stay, because you're you're assuming Wall comes back healthy, but sometimes you just can't assume certain things. You got to take your when you have your leverage, just like Joe Brady did. You got to take it to your own hands and sign somewhere else. But he uh, he decided to stay in DC and got to deal with it now. Same with these other guys like. Cat when Booker stayed, Booker. Yeah, when, 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 when Booker stayed in Phoenix, you got to accept, man. It, it might not be right now that you start winning. It might be a few years from now, or you could just play your whole career on a bad team. Same thing with Cat. I understand you guys are going to take your rookie extension, but at the same time, it's like you got to realize that, you know, staying here, you're only going to win so many games. Like, none of you would. With DC and Phoenix are better locations than Minnesota. Nobody's going to Minnesota. So, you kind of got to realize that I'm where I'm at. This is what it is. It, it, nobody's ever turned down a rookie extension. So, it's, it's rare you see it get turned down. But those guys should have been the guys that set the, <laughs> tr- the, the, the trend. Of, <laughs> I'm turning it down. I'm, I'm, I'm out here. Hey, you're right. And and you got to pinpoint, like, Kimball Walker. Like, he said, no, I'm not going back to Charlotte. I'm, not, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of trying to – Carry this team, put on my back. I have back surgeries every year because I'm carrying this franchise. And I'm sick of it. And he went now, he on to Boston, and look at him now. Like Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. We got one, Brad Stevens, a great coach. Like you, you put yourself in, in situations that you have to, especially in this era right now. And, and Anthony Davis, he had, he had to force his way out because he thought, oh, I can, oh, I can resign with New Orleans. We, you know, me and Drew, that's enough. No, it's not. And you and John Wall, that's not enough. So, I have no sympathy for him. I just had to bring that up because I sent a video. I was like, "Nah, we t- we already we already discussed this. We are. I knew that he when he signed that contract, he was gonna regret it because he's gonna be a loser. Like that's what he is right now. And it's not all because of him, obviously, because he's a you know he's an all star in my opinion. But you know, would he get the nod over some guys? I mean, maybe. But you know, sometimes that they they look at your team record for whatever reason and be like, okay, well your team not winning, so you can't be all star. So we're gonna put four Atlanta Hawks because they're the one seed." In the All Star, you know what I mean? Like those situations be happening all the time. So if he don't make it, you know, or he don't get this, his legacy is getting drilled down because I think he's a top five shooting guard in the league. And it's hard. Like remember how hard we were debating that Kimba and Kyrie are the same level? It's kind of hard to say that when you know Kyrie's on a winning team, even though even though he's not the best player, while while Kimba was losing. But now that you see the change, the world has reversed. You know. We see what it is, you know. So I need Bradley Bill. I mean, you got he got to suck it up because I don't know if the team would come get him or not. No, it's just who, who's going to trade for him because a lot of teams already. You have about twelve to fifteen teams who are already kind of set, and then some guys are still in the middle of certain contracts. So Bradley Bill is one of the top 25, 30 players in the game. So you will never get back equal value for him. So that's why when guys have that leverage at their fingertips, you got to take advantage of it. And if you <laughs> if you decline your option to take to take advantage of yourself, I'm out of it. Yeah, I, I, I understand when guys see these salary projections of, okay, I'm going to get four years, this here, five years, this here, and I go here, I, only, I get one year less when it's a couple of years, you know, a couple million dollars less. I understand you see that, but at the same time, when you're winning, you're playing playoff games, so you're not really missing any checks because you're still getting paid. Like, your regular season is over, so if you play a playoff game, now you're getting playoff money, you're going to get commercials and endorsement deals and things like that as opposed to, all right, I'm going to be on an 18-win team, be miserable all season, and to make myself happy, I'm going to have to go buy a Lamborghini or a Porsche song. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got to find some kind of way to make yourself happy. Like, now you're going shopping and your season's over early, so now you're going vacant. It's really Greece and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I mean, that's stuff you probably did anyway, but at least you had your a, regular money. A championship ring with you. Yeah, plus your playoff money. You would have got some more accolades for your Hall of Fame credentials if you make it that far. It's like, do you want to have, do you want to have fun, make, a few more million dollars less and win, which you can still make up on the back end through endorsements, investments, commercials. Because the winners get the commercials, the losers don't get the commercials. Right. Hey, I would say the only team I'm like you said the ten, twelve teams is pretty much it. 
the only team I can see that was will risk it all because they're they they right there is the Magic. That's about the as far as like give up you know Aaron Gordon and I give up Terrence Ross. You know what I'm saying? Like give I'll give up multiple starters for Bradley Beal as long as I got this and this and this. I'm we because you know we are, they are they gonna make the playoffs probably most likely. You know, so I mean, it, it's very few teams that, that you can really say, okay, they got so, and they got things that Wizards may take back. You know, it's kind of hard to find, like you said, and you're not going to have equal value when you're a guy of that stature making that type of money because either the money got to match up, I, or I got to have a lot of cap space. But now, you know, nowadays they make you, you know, uh, NBA make you use your cap space. You know, whether you have expiring deals or not, they still make you use your cap space. So. You know, it it, it just it's just gonna be hard, man, to, to for for somebody to move on them. And I'm, hey, I, I love them, but I can't I, I I can't feel no pain for you. I can't I can't feel sorry for you. Yeah, Bradley Bill, he's gonna be stuck for this year and, and probably next. next. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and probably next. Like his his next opportunity to maybe get out of DC might not come into the fold until it's the twenty twenty one all season. And people are trying to see, okay, what does Giannis do? Like, what do other big guys do? Because he may be a piece that could lead to like a Kawhi PG type of thing. Because I think Bradley Bill is good enough to be your second best player. So yeah, definitely. He could, he, so he could be that kind of guy that falls into like that that two that two spot. If we pair him with this, maybe it works out. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him on either Florida team, Miami or Orlando, but I don't think Miami goes after him because. Their tradable contracts aren't really enticing to DC unless right. DC unless DC feels like all right we'll take back those guys just because their deals do expire after next season and we'll have some free money to play with. But at the same time, that free money doesn't do anything to you because anybody coming anybody coming DC nobody coming because we're a sorry team. Right, exactly. So, yeah. So you, so you got to kind of weigh out that way. So I'm not really sure who could go get Bill outside of. 2021 when teams are kind of gearing up for let's make moves and strategize for what could be the next big team. <laughs> All right, so we got we got. Hey, hold on, hold on, but we got to acknowledge Stephen A. Dan Smith out here throwing out these crazy trades like <laughs> Kuzma for Kuzma for Booker. Oh, you said? Come on, bro, Kuzma. Hey, Devin Booker, like bro, financially it don't it don't match up. Logically, for either team, <laughs> for either team, <laughs> this don't even match up. Hey, oh, of course, it look good for the Lakers, but for the Suns, why don't probably get back Kuzma for Booker? Why? Hey, he just he just saying stuff, man. I mean, I mean, all, all he want is the big three. Like people don't be looking at the other side of trades, and that's the bad thing about it. like people are like oh, you know, and, and like just like you mentioned, you said Miami. Okay, now what what do, what the hell do I want from Miami? That's not Jimmy Butler or Bam. Kelly O'Leary. <laughs> exactly. I don't want that because I'm a. I want Tyler Hero, but you're not gonna give me him. So you know what I'm saying? No, like, you can't. You, know, you can't get Hero. You can't get Justin Winslow. You can't get nothing. You can't get Kendrick Nunn. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, okay, everybody gotta realize, okay, Bradley Beal to Miami may sign in Tyson, but what? Like, what am I get back? And while in Orlando, if I can get me an Aaron Gordon, I can get me a. You know, even if they trade Evan Fournier, I mean, you know, I got me, I got me eighteen point score. I got me a guy who's athletic and do a lot of things. Hey, at least I got something. And you know, Miami, okay, I'm not gonna have Kelly Olynyk and some picks because we we already can't draft as it is. So you know, you have things like that. <laughs> yeah, that was just. Hey, Steve, Stephen Wild, cool, man. Cool, Kuzma, Wild. some Kuzma, some pick, Kuzma, another player, some picks. Man, they ain't doing nothing for things. They actually going in the right direction now. Right, exactly. And you want, and you want them to blow it up? Put, put a VCR on and hit a rewind button? Come on, man. Not the VCR. That's how they be doing. Like, they'll be resetting their franchise back 10 years by doing that. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah, it took them a long time to get where they're at now. <laughs> All right, so we, we we only only got 10 minutes left to go through these playoff games. Um, so we're we going to, you know, try to keep it short. Um... Hey man, we only got three games left, man. It's kind of uh, it's kind of sad. Uh, the season coming down to an end. Uh, with XFL, me. <laughs> hey, for real, Tampa Bay Vipers. Don't stop. Um, but for real though, um, you got Kansas City, Tennessee. You got San Francisco, Green Bay. I w- I want to call this the revenge tour because both these teams already faced each other. They know each other. They played each other um already. And um, going through the Kansas City, Tennessee. Uh, that's the first matchup. 
when you when you watch if you rewatch that game, both teams had a lot of like miscues. And I pose this question to you because I I think this is I think this is very important. All right, so we saw we saw the Chiefs come back against the Texans, right? Um, you know, obviously he came back and blew them out. With, you know, with Mahomes being you know the best you know the best quarterback in the league, they got the probably the most explosive offense can score on a dime at any given second can score on you. And you have Tennessee, who if they if they're up like like they were against Baltimore, they can dominate you all game long, and it's hard to come back on them. And you know when you when you got the running game and you you, you can definitely keep that going because they drafted two tackles, they paid for the guard, they signed another guard, like they 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 put money into the offensive line and and, and, and draft capital. So I actually see you. Can either team playing the way they play? So their styles, you know, you know how styles win the fight. Can any team get down and still win? I say that because if 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 I'm the Chiefs and I'm down. 24-0 to the tech to the Titans. I don't know if we're coming back because Tennessee is going to run that ball down your throat and there's nothing you're going to do about it. Right? And then Chiefs, the same way. If they get up, if they get up on Tennessee and they can't use King Henry, how are they coming back with just Tannehill, AJ Brown? Because people have, people seem to forget they're also missing Delaney Walker, who hasn't played all season. So, you know, their weapons are limited. They're not stars. They're not playmakers like a Tyree Hill and a Kelsey. Yes, A.J. Brown is explosive, and John Smith is fast as too. He's really fast, too. But I don't know. I feel like this game has to be close for both teams because if either one of them gets down a good margin, two possessions, maybe three, I don't know if, like, both the teams are built to keep that lead. Yeah, this would be a tough one for either one to get down in just because of how they're built. Like, granted, we just saw this miraculous thing from Kansas City, but that don't happen every week. Like, right. <laughs> you, like, you'll be you, you, as good, as as great as Mahomes is to ask him to do something like that twice in back-to-back weeks, that's absurd. So you shouldn't ask that. So both, and neither team can afford to get behind because the Titans' whole strategy is revolved around playing balanced. You get down 17 nothing, the running game is almost out the window, well, all motion, though, you have to scale it back to start trying to play catch up with the pass. And Ryan Tannehill, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, so you don't want him throwing the ball too, too much. So they'll kind of start exposing him and receivers to mistakes when you know all right, the defense is going to start blitzing and they're going to drop back into coverage. So you don't want that to happen. And for the Chiefs, like I said, you don't want to rely on Mahomes to get too far behind again either because now they become predictable throwing the ball and it's just too much risk to keep trying to ask him to do something like that again. Yeah, and in the first matchup, so I'm gonna name you the the miscues real quick. So first off, it was Mahomes' first game back from his uh, dislocation of the knee. They, they had a, they, he fumbled, they fumbled the ball. I think it was Damian Williams, I think, or Sean McCoy, one of them. But it turned into a touchdown for the Titans. Like they picked it up and ran it back. Uh, Bucker missed the extra point, and their field goal got blocked to. To uh to tie, tie the, the game, game and go to overtime. Now, I, also it was it was a fifty-two yard field goal, and I'm not going to say he's not Justin Tucker, so I'm not going to say he's going to make it. But you know, let's just say he probably would have. So those are miscues. Now Titans had miscues as well. They also missed an extra point and they fumbled. And luckily, luckily now that that their defense got a stop and forced it to a field goal because they're about to be they're about to be down 14-0. In Kansas City, and you know, like like we just talked about, if Tennessee gets down and can't use can't use Henry, then it's a problem. And so both teams had their miscues. I thought Tannehill played great to as far as scrambling. I think that's going to be huge in this game where you know it's, it's third and five. No, nobody open down the field. I can go scramble for this first down. I, th- I think he I think he can do that well in this game. I think he's going to do just enough to help them. And I'm like I'm not picking Tennessee to win. I'm I'm, I'm I am rolling with Kansas City. But I think Tennessee has an amazing chance to win this game. And like I said, if they can get up on them just like they did against Baltimore and even even against New England, we know the, the New England Patriots offense struggled, but they they can control the clock with Henry all day long. And Chris Jones is I mean not Chris Jones. Isn't that Chris Jones? Um yeah, Chris Jones, the guy uh, on the uh, defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, he won the best in the league. And he he didn't play last week, and he may not play this week. And he wreaked havoc in that first matchup. And he, if he don't play, man, I don't know what's going to happen. But 
it's it's gonna be hard. And I think I think this game is gonna be very close. I just think Mahomes is just too much. And like I said, it's, it's the revenge tour, so they'll they'll probably get this one. Um, but for everybody counting on Tennessee, I wouldn't do it. They already took out the two big dogs in New England and, and Baltimore, and, and it definitely wouldn't surprise me if they do it again. Yeah, I won't call it a 50-50 game, but I'll definitely right. call it a 60-40 game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, and I'm, I'm leaning Kansas City as well. I think Tennessee, they've done great to get here. We were hounding them as far as to potentially get here. I just think that this may be a game where they have to ask Tannehill to play, you know, up to another level that he should be able to. Like, if, when he starts going past 25, 28 throws, it's, it's kind of getting into bad territory and this may be a game where they need him to get someone throws in and he may come up short. But if, if they can match the game plan just right to continue using uh, a Henry 30 and 20 split with him and Tannehill or 25 and 25 and stuff like that, it will be a close game. I just think Kansas City speed, speed kills that they win the game this time. Right. And you talk about this is the best quarterback in the league and the best running back in the league right now. And if, if their strengths go their way, it can get ugly. And that's why I said – that's why I asked you about – who could come back if they're getting blown out? I think neither one of them can because the, the the strength is on both teams. So, we'll see. I think it's going to be a great one. Um, and in the NFC, Green Bay versus San Francisco. Um, you know, San Francisco put a whipping on them the first time, but it, if you watch the game closely, it really wasn't as bad as it was. And so, it will be a close game. I don't think Green Bay goes out there and get blown out again. But if they, if they can't protect Aaron Rodgers, then it's going to be a long day. Because if the four Niners dominate the trenches once again, then then I can see the four Niners going on to the Super Bowl, and I am I am picking them. Uh, my only thing, that my only reason why I, I'll do this, my my reason why they won't win, is because Jimmy G, when he gets pressured by by the Smith brothers or you know Kenny Clark up the middle, Jimmy G is, is the type of quarterback that he don't throw the ball away. He'll throw the ball in the middle of the field, and Minnesota had a pick, but they missed two other ones. And imagine if imagine if they got those two, how how different that, that game changes around. So that is why they will lose. If they do, I'm picking the 49ers to win. I think Kyle Shanahan is the best offensive play caller in the league. So I'm running I'm ro- I'm rolling with the uh with the 49ers. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because I want both teams to win. I got my preseason prediction versus my surprise team of the year. So I I wouldn't mind both teams winning. But I'm leaning Green Bay to win the game because like you said, I watched that game back, and it wasn't as bad as it looked. Um, I watched back the Chargers game with Green Bay. It wasn't as bad as it looked. And I watched back both Vikings games where Green Bay won both of those games. And the main thing I saw of how to beat the same type of defense with, with similar type players on all three of those teams is you have to throw the ball fast. Right. And Rogers, when they snap the ball, it has to be a 1-1000, 2-1000. Get rid of the ball. When you get to that third 1,000, the ball needs to be gone because if not, you're going to start taking sacks, putting your team in bad position on the field. So you need to get 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, throw with quick slants, screen passes. Anything that's more than 3, 1,000 is going to be a bad play. <laughs> and the same things for the 49ers. I think, like you said, Jimmy G, every game they played this year, he's a 2-to-1 ratio type of guy. Two touchdowns to one interception ratio. That's gonna be about three three times in the game where he, he will he, he'll give him a chance. <laughs> yeah, he he he'll throw you a he'll make an iffy pass. You know, he'll throw an iffy pass like it won't be on target, or it'll be one of those where uh it, it's you you have a chance to kind of jump it, and if you pick it off, it's going the other way for six. So if you can get those, you'll be fine. And I think Green Bay will have a twenty six twenty three type of game and. And give it a win it. I'm gonna take, like I said, I'm gonna roll with Kyle Shanahan because I think Matt Lafleur is a uh, is diet Kyle Shanahan. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna roll with the 49ers. But hey, like you say, either way, I think I'll, I'll be okay with a Mahomes Rogers or or Mahomes versus the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan or even Tennessee man. Even they get there, I'll be happy. So we're gonna see. It's gonna be a great. Um, we we run out of time. Shout out to my boy Rashad. I uh, appreciate you. Hey, we we growing man. We we getting there. Hey, it'll be a crazy Super Bowl to have on the 100th anniversary Packers Chiefs because they were the first Super Bowl ever. And then you got Mahomes and Rodgers in all the State uh, Farm State <laughs> commercials. So that'll be a good one. But whoever made the Super Bowl, these four teams, 
it'll be great for all of them because we're we're fans of all of them. Not like diehard like fan favorite, but like we we've been cheering for these teams throughout this season. Right. All right, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Rashad. We are the Prophets. We out. Hi, my name is Adam Reichert, co-host of the Talk Eastern Europe podcast. I'm sure you have heard about the country of Belarus, which has been dominating international news headlines and the massive protests and violence that broke out there. To understand this country better, we have prepared a special documentary podcast series called The Story of Belarus, The Nation, Its History, and A New Hope. In this 10-episode documentary, we explore the country in greater detail. You can learn more by visiting www.neweasterneurope.eu slash Belarus or listen anywhere you find podcasts.